I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Syrup Arcade Cast, Mobile Syrup's Canadian gaming focused podcast. I'm Dean and across from the internet for me is the lovely gaming editor brad shankar how are you doing today buddy great thanks uh excited to talk about 2024 games uh there should be a lot to discuss yes i'm also quite excited for that uh and we also have on this week's episode not the singer but the beloved chris brown how are you doing buddy I'm great. I'm great. Are you guys excited about the fantasy draft? Because I have been planning for weeks. Uh, I have not been planning for weeks. So uh, <laughs> we also have that. And we also have, uh, for the first time on our podcast, uh, Belle, who was once an intern at Mobile Syrup and no longer interns for us, but it does freelance for us and also works somewhere too now, right? Yeah, I work I work freelance for a lot of sites, but I also have been writing for the gamer for a the long gamer, time. Gamer, yes, okay, yeah, yeah. How have you been? It's been a while. I've been excellent. It has been a while. I'm mostly upset that I can't be playing Baldur's Gate right now. So Oh, I'm so sorry I'm to take you away from your Baldur's Gate. But this is more important. No, I'm kidding, it's not. But Baldur's Gate is always <laughs> super fun. Uh what what class and race are you playing right now? Oh, I always play a ranger, which I know in D&D 5E is like terrible that you have to get the updated version, but it's like, it seems like the mechanics in the game are great. So okay. I'm playing a ranger. <laughs> cool. And what race? Wood Elf. Wood Elf. Nice. Nice. Very nice. My current which There's build... only more stereotypical in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is like the perfect ranger. <laughs> Your current build is? Uh, I'm doing a uh, uh, priest thunder domain uh, half elf, uh... high, half high elf. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. I might switch things up, but that's where I am right now. But we're not here to talk about Baldur's Gate 3. Unfortunately, we've had so many (laughs) podcasts last year talking about that topic just because of how much we all love it. But we're here to talk about our fantasy draft. Uh, Every year or last year, we did a fantasy draft uh, where we picked our games we want to do well for the year and, you know, kind of win a prize and... I don't know. Chris will explain it a lot better than me later. But before we get deeper into that, let's go into the gaming news segment. The Last of Us Season 2 has announced that Caitlin Dever, Caitlin Dever, is that how I pronounce her name? Uh, will be in the role of Abby. So I've never played The Last of Us 2 or The Last of Us 1, but I do know that uh, Abby was like a, like a problematic character from my understanding. Like there was like Brad, help. Uh, she's a major character. I don't want to say too much about her role for people who haven't played the game or are coming into it from the show. Uh, but suffice it to say, she has a very important role and she's very connected to uh, Joel and Ellie's story in a way that not everyone was happy with. But mm. I think if you've played the full game, 
uh, and kind of you might appreciate her story a bit more. She's a really great actress. Uh, she's been nominated for a couple of Golden Globes and Emmy. Um, she, fun fact, she actually played Nathan Drake's daughter in Uncharted Four at the end of that game. Uh, so she's actually worked with Neil Druckmann before, the co-creator of the game and the sh- and the show. Uh, and she actually auditioned for Ellie for the show and even did a table read. So it's kind of a fun sort of full circle moment that now she's playing uh, this character who's, you know, uh, very related to Ellie, but uh, very different from Ellie as well. So That is very cool. I actually didn't know that tidbit. Brad of all his facts, always. Uh, All right, next on the list of news, we have Xbox will reveal the first Indiana Jones gameplay later this month. Uh, that date will be micro, uh, uh, like a Microsoft like showcase, I believe, and it will just, uh, be on January 18th. Uh, this Indiana Jones was originally announced in 2021. I, I've never played an Indiana Jones or any Indiana Jones game or anything. I played like Tomb that. Raider. Does that count? It feels <laughs> yeah. the same, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, I played a lot of the Lego game. The Lego game was really good. Yeah. And then uh, one of an, an underrated classic, I played a lot with my uncle on the original Xbox, was The Emperor's Tomb. It was an original uh, Indiana Jones game, and it was kind of like Uncharted before Uncharted. It was a really good game. The other call out that I would make with this is, I believe it's being made by Machine Games, who yes. have absolutely been killing it with the Wolfenstein reboot. Uh, Microsoft will also provide updates on Hellblade 2 avowed and ara history untold uh i mean a hellblade 2 update must has to be just the release date right like that's that's what we're at right <laughs> you would hope at this point yeah i i can't see what else they can possibly and they've shown us gameplay they've shown us quite a bit of gameplay throughout the years since it was announced in t- what 2019 2020 yeah 2019 2019 yeah uh so i mean yeah we better get a <laughs> and last for our news, uh, Alan Wake is heading to uh, Montreal's Dead by Daylight. Uh, Dead by Daylight is a like a horror game from my understanding where you like you work together as a team to try to defeat a, a big bad or a, one other person who's uh, the enemy. Uh, my friends used to play a lot. I've never touched it though. Um, I would watch them play though. You know, just because, just to show support, but I was never a big fan of it. Uh, Dead by Daylight has had some kind of interesting crossovers, like with Rainbow Six, uh, For Honor, and Attack on Titan, which is very random and very in the realm of, like, you know how Fortnite has its weird crossovers, too? Uh, So, yeah, if you're a big Alan Wake fan and a big Dead by Daylight fan, this might be a perfect combination for you. Yeah. Uh, and as always, I'll do a little antenna call out. You can read uh, all of this and more on Antenna, our recently refreshed newsletter for all Canadian news you care about, delivered right to your inbox. And we also have an on site version of the newsletter as well. All right. Let's get into our main topic. Uh, we will do like we will start it off and in the middle we'll take a little break to jump into our nostalgia segment and then go back to it but let's start it off with explaining what is our fantasy draft and chris brown take it away please uh dean can i just quickly get a refresher who who won fantasy draft last year (laughs) i don't know screw you (laughs) (laughs) 
so fantasy draft. If anybody is aware of fantasy football or any fantasy sport for that matter, this is essentially the same concept except for video games. We did it last year as kind of a test and it was a ton of fun. And so we figured we would do it again. And so basically what we're going to be doing is we are each going to be drafting video games that we think will score the best. That is the key part here that will score the best on open critic, which is basically Metacritic, but for video games. And depending on how those score, we will gain or lose points. So any game that scores over 70, uh, you will get one point for. So if it scores a 75, for example, you will get five points for five points mm -hmm. over 70. However, if you have a game that scores under 70, you will lose points. So if you get a 65, you're actually losing five points. And if a game manages, they rarely do, but if it manages to score over 90, for every point over 90, you will get two points. So if you get a game that is 92, you'll actually get 24 points instead of 22 points. So a lot at stake here. We have a few other rules. You can draft <laughs> any game that comes out in 2024 with the exception of remasters, DLC, and early access games. So the reason we do that remakes, uh, sorry, remasters, we generally have a pretty good idea of how the original was. Uh, in terms of DLC, it can be hard to know if it's going to get reviewed, and it's very dependent on the base game. And then, of course, with early access, a lot of games don't, uh, a lot of sites don't uh, review them until they get a full release. So a good example this year would be Hades 2. We, we expect that to come out this year, but whether it gets a full release or not is a very different question. Uh, whereas... I mean... Go ahead, dude. Just to butt in for Hades 2. I mean, in mm -hmm. theory, you could probably say Hades 2 would come out in 2024. You'd be taking a risk. You'd be taking the Hollow Knight risk. But, yes. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. You'd be taking a risk, yeah. Well, and on that note, so if a game does not launch this year, you would just get a zero. You're not going to lose points for taking a game that doesn't come out. And on that note, we're actually, over the course of the year, we're going to be drafting five games. So today we're going to be drafting three games. And then later in the year, we're going to draft an additional two games. So, you know, if anything gets announced at Gamescom or at the showcases throughout the year, obviously we want to take those into consideration as well. So we will draft an additional two games. But today we're only drafting three. Out of those five games, only four are going to count towards your score. So let's say you you managed to take SpongeBob SquarePants, the squariest square. Well, that got a 33. That will be dropped from your score. So don't worry too, too much about getting every game perfect. Top four games will count. I think that's pretty much everything, though. I think. Yeah, just for... Uh just for context, Bell, we, we agreed that remakes that substantially change the game, so whether it's like Resident Evil 4 remake, Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth remake, mm. that sort of thing, those I think are fair game because they are so different. But if it's just kind of like a straight remake, like uh, the Super Mario RPG that we got last year, or Demon Souls on PS5, we weren't really counting those because those are pretty much just upscaling the visuals and right. fundamentally being the same game. So that's sort of where we, we landed on with that. But, would, but otherwise, yeah. Mass Effect Legendary Edition, like, did you count that as one game? Did you count that as a remake? I would probably put that in the remaster camp. I'd put that as a remaster, yeah. yeah I mean, I they did too, improve yeah. some of the gameplay, but it is fundamentally the, the same experience. So, mm -hmm. uh, And yeah. it's a great great one, don't get me wrong, but yeah, I, I don't <laughs> think I would have included it. But. Okay, just to put it in my head. I'll just hit yeah. And I think, I think that's it. Chris, you got to roll the dice. That's right. That's right. So what I can do here is I will quickly share my screen. And then that way everybody can see. What we're going to do is we're going to take a 20-sided die. We're going to roll it. That way we can determine who will go first. 
<laughs> Last year, Chris got the first role, uh, so he got to pick mm-hmm. Zelda right away, which was just an uh... easy win. I guess that was, we knew, oh, that game's going to score in the 90s, of course. <laughs> it's true. But this year should be more interesting because there's no like standout game like Zelda uh, mm. that we can just kind of point to and be like, oh, that's going to get a 95. What were your other picks? Baldur's Gate 3. no one was thinking about Baldur's Gate 3 no um all right before it came out yeah well before it came out well before the bear sex very clearly the bear sex um okay d20 so we'll start uh with our guest this time Belle uh would you like to roll the die uh, metaphorically I could get my d20 if you want or (laughs) um yes go ahead all right here we go that oh. is oh. not oh. great. Uh, that is a natural one, unfortunately. Oh. Um, okay, Brad. Brad, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> you can't get ba- worse than that. A 13. That's a pretty good score. All right, Dean. A 17. Yeah, yeah baby. And for me... An eight. Okay. Oh, good. Oh, so first this year. Yes. Here we go. So the order will be Dean, Brad, myself, and Bell. Unfortunately, uh, you will be getting the last draft. Now, with that said, we do this in a particular order because we do what's called a snake draft. So in that case, because you have the disadvantage of going last, you will actually get to draft two games in a row. So we uh, kind of reverse rules. the order. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Catan rules. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So yeah, the order will go. Dean, Brad, myself, Bell, and then Bell, you'll draft again. Then it'll go back up to me, up Got to you. Dean, and back down again. Alrighty, I think we're we're pretty much set to go then. So Dean, you get our first draft of twenty twenty four. That's so hard. Last year it was fun. <laughs> it was easy. I think I was last last year, so it was a little helpful being last. Um. Okay. I. Uh, I'm going to do it just because of who I am as a person and because <laughs> of my love for this certain genre of games. I have to pick Black Myth Wukong. That was one of the ones I predicted you would pick. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know you would. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have to do it. I know nothing about this game, hypothetically. What is it? So Black Myth Wukong is made by a Chinese developer. I forgot which one. I don't remember. Uh, uh, and it tells the story of the what is it? Uh, Ghost to the West and uh, uh, Journey to the West. Journey to the West, yes. That oh. focuses on the god, the Chinese god Sun Wukong. So it's like kind of an adaption of that game. Uh, Black Myth Wukong has some uh, Souls-like fighting combat, from my understanding. Uh, but in between that, you'll be facing hordes of monsters. So I think it's, it seems like a, at least it looks like a, a bit of a mixture of Souls-like when you fight the bosses, some like Dynasty Warriors when you're just fighting this onslaughts of creatures as well in between the the boss fights, it looks like. It looks beautiful. I think they announced it back in 2021 is what I think. I could be completely wrong about that, though. It feels like it's been announced a while ago. Um, and it should host a whole bunch of mythological creatures and, uh, uh, from, uh, Chinese mythology. I, am a huge mythology buff. I, I, I love games like Smite, for instance, that has, hosts a whole pantheon of different gods and stuff like that. I am currently writing my own, I'm trying to write a book. Uh, it's always been a goal of mine and, um, 
right now I'm on the pantheon making stages of the book where I'm making like a lot of different gods and why and why they came to fruition and da 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 da, da um, which is a lot of fun. So I'm like, this is like a perfect start for me. I have to pick Black Panther Claw. It's a good pick. It's a good pick. Brad, do you remember the moment that this blew up? I, I specifically there was there was a moment on Twitter where it was the first Unreal Engine 5 game that I can think of. Mm. And it was shown off, and it felt like it had this moment in the spotlight of this is the next generation game. Do you recall that as well? Yeah, I feel like that was like early in the pandemic, maybe. I mean, that, that time period is kind of a, a big blur, but uh, mm. I, I do recall seeing that and kind of blowing it. Because, yeah, it's just a game like you would not have probably have seen on your radar before, and then it just kind of felt like it came out of nowhere, and I was like, oh, this is really promising. Yeah, and it was like a 10-minute gameplay segment, so it didn't feel like they were just showing off the graphics. There was gameplay to it a little bit, and it was just like a chunk. It was that vertical slice where they just put it out there for everybody to see, and it feels like it's just been building hype since. Bell, what's your familiarity with these kinds of games, like uh, Souls-like and that sort of thing? Is it your genre? Is it something you'd stray away from a little bit? Souls-like, admittedly, is not my genre, but mythical stuff is definitely up my alley. I've read Journey to the West, so I oh, think wow. I'm going to have to look into this. Yeah, so I'm going to have to look into this um, because that is just fascinating. I think there's so many of these really old, good stories that we are just an untapped goldmine for this kind of thing. Uh, as a big anime nerd, they, they pull from Journey to the West a lot. I mean, of course, that's where Dragon Ball is from, and then... That which proceeded to be Dragon Ball Z and all the other dragons. Uh, there's also they also like to include Son Goku and a lot of different other anime as well, like uh, God of High School or Naruto, for instance. But yeah, uh, I'm excited. Dean, if you had to predict, what would the score be at the end of this? If you had to predict. <sighs> I will say that's hard. That's it really is hard. hard. I'm gonna say an 86. An 86. I love it. I love it. Which brings us to Brad. Uh, it's okay. Just take it. But like, what's your first pick? Gee, I wonder what what this guy will pick. Anyone who knows me. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go Final <laughs> Fantasy VII Rebirth. Uh, it's actually one of the few games we have a solid release date for, uh, which is less than two months, uh, February 29th, which is awesome. And that's the leap year day, which is interesting. So it's a Thursday that it releases. And knowing Tetsuya Nomura, that's probably relevant to the plot in some way, uh, <laughs> that release date. But yeah, I mean, Final Fantasy VII is my favorite game, so I've got that personal bias. But I think the remake showed that uh, it was one of the most exciting and fresh takes on a on an old game that we'd ever seen uh, in terms of the gameplay, in terms of the story. Uh, I think it's uh, a lot of more people now, especially with kind of getting the same thing over and over again, I think people might be a lot more receptive to the idea of getting something different uh, with this rebirth because that's really, uh, which is the second part of a, of a trilogy. I think um, that's something, it, it's going to upset some people no matter what, of course. There's always going to be the diehards that don't, oh, you change this, you change that. But I think pe more people are going to be open to that now. Uh, like we even saw recently the Scott Pilgrim anime mm -hmm. basically was Final Fantasy VII Remake in terms of what, what it, how it deviated from the original and the sort of meta commentary on sequels and everything, which was really cool. Uh, so, and so obviously that was a bit polarizing in some ways. but Brad, why, why would people be worked up? Why is this Final Fantasy VII important to people? Why would they possibly care that they changed the source material? Why is it relevant? <laughs> 
I mean, yeah, it's a you know, it's a twenty-five plus year old uh, JRPG. It's one of the, it's the second best-selling PS One game of all time behind only Gran Turismo. It, you know, it helped popularize JRPGs in the West. Uh, it's a beloved game, uh, so I, I get it. Uh, for me, it's like the original game is available on literally every platform, including mobile. So it's like if you want to experience that untouched, that's a very good version. It literally just adds like cheats like three times speed no random encounters but otherwise it's exactly the same game so it's actually a better version of the original because it has those those options for you but so if you want to go play the original that's always there but i like that this is taking a bold swing like there are things that it's going to follow similar beats in a lot of ways but there there are characters who weren't alive before that are alive now there are characters who who died before who might not die now i think that's super (laughs) exciting to see where that could go um Nowadays, in the days of franchise and everything, you watch like a superhero movie, you watch a blockbuster movie. It's like, oh, this character's safe. They're not going to die. You know they're going to be avail- around for three more sequels, right? So it's like, I love going into this with that sense of uncertainty. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I find that that's so exciting. Like, that's sort of, oh, my, my throat is in my mouth. Like, uh, my heart's in my throat. Like, a, you know, my ch- heart is beating. Like, chess is, you know, like, that is sort of anticipation. Like, who, who knows what's going to happen? Like, I've been replaying the original game, and I'm on remake now. And just, you know, setting the, the groundwork for myself and just not knowing what's going to happen with Aerith or all these other characters. Like, that's super exciting. Which brings me to my last question for you, Brad, really quickly. Are you going to go on your date with Barrett? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if they do it like they did in the original game, that would probably be harder to attain. Uh, so I think, like, for the first run, I would probably just try to do Aerith just because that's the more canonical choice. But, I mean, I'm this is a game that I will probably platinum. I mean, I, I put so many hours into remake and this is going to be fully open world so i i don't uh there's no way i'm not going to see everything that there is into this game but yeah um it'll be interesting because uh you know you you asked dean about the score uh for his game i think like remake i think ended off on an 87 which is a really respectable score uh and final fantasy 16 last year was about an 87 as well so that's kind of the ballpark that the final fantasy games nowadays tend to hit they used to in the their heyday, we're hitting 90s out of the park. But so I, I I think I could see this settling at maybe an 88 or an 89. I think it's still going to upset some people. I could see some of the open world side quests being a little repetitive, um, mm-hmm. just because Square has not always done the best with their side content in their games. Uh, but I think most people are going to love this game. Bell, is this one that you're excited about? Is it? Are you a Final Fantasy gamer? No, I've only played. What was the one with all the boys on a road trip? That's the only one I played. <laughs> I had I had a I had a friend recommend it to me, and I played it all the way through, and I really loved it. Except I hated the story. As like a person who's really invested in the story, I was like, "This makes no sense." There's only one like really interesting female character. There's like it's just interesting because it's four boys on a road trip, and it's like yeah. that's <laughs> boys trip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's uh i don't like that game at all <laughs> uh but i mean yeah it was a lot of people's first yeah well that's just it it was like one that popularized it for a, a whole new generation right yeah. but would it make you more interested if you knew that the director of this game used the witcher 3 as inspiration for the side quests that is definitely interesting i have only backseated the witcher 3 but i i feel like it's one of those things that i've backseated enough that you know um Oh, that's interesting. I might have to try that. I've been meaning to try the remake, um, except for my pocketbook is the only reason. 
95% of remake is super accessible and perfect for all audiences. And there's that 5% where it's like, okay, this is for the people who've played the original. Um, and even then it's a little confusing. So that's, a, that's my only uh, question mark with this is I don't know if they're going to stick the landing, but I appreciate that they're trying to do something different. So mm-hmm. that, that's all I'll say with there. Man, Dean, we, we don't have a road trip, but are you, have you checked out remake? Uh, I tried it. It wasn't for me. Uh, I just didn't get into it. Uh, I know, I know, Brad. I know. <laughs> I just didn't get in. I tr- I did try it though. I played maybe like four or five hours into it before I was just like, ah, I'm kind of over it. Um, I, I uh, hearing the Witcher three part is kind of interesting, but I won't. I it won't get me. But Witcher three is like I think my most played RPG ever. So mm. um, I kind of like. Mm, it's Rebirth is definitely like a road trip though. Uh, I mean, a lot of the old Final Fantasy games in that sense kind of were. I mean, yeah, you're leaving the big oppressive city of Midgar and you're going out into the world and okay. uh, you get like you get like a buggy, you get like a chocobo. Later in the game, you'll get like an airship that can't fly. So you're only kind of skating it along the water. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> you get pet companions. Cool. You do everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, st- I still probably won't grab it. How about you, Chris? Oh yeah, I mean, if if Brad hadn't taken this game, I would. I, it, it's just a shame that it has such a terrible, terrible soundtrack that I cry at every time. Um, well, it's, let's move on. Uh, next pick is mine, and so for this, this is probably another fairly predictable one for those who know me. I will be taking Metaphor Refantasio, which is the latest game by the team that made Persona Three, Four, and Five. And so this is a spin-off from the Persona team, actually. This this was the director saying, I want to do something different. I want to do something bold that's not teenagers in high school. And then they proceeded to make Persona, but in a fantasy world. And so I'm like, oh, perfect. That's exactly what I want. The game looks really, really cool. Uh, it has a full bond system. It has the best menus I've ever seen. I just want to make all of them wallpapers. And knowing this team, it'll be an experience that gets you very emotionally invested will probably take you a hundred hours. And by the end of it, you'll feel completely lost with what to do with your life upon completion. So that all sounds perfect <laughs> to me. Um, is anybody else here a, a persona player? I'm not a persona player, but I did have it on my list just in case I was like, Ooh, this game looks kind of interesting. It looks cool. I know persona usually does well. I'm trying to win this year. So I had an, I was a little ready for it. Persona four. In, is in my top five games of all time uh i'm five i think is probably a quote-unquote better game but i just have a more of a connection to the characters of four and it, i kind of played that at a moment where i was like not really feeling university and that game was really like a, a very time and place game for me so I'll always but yeah three four and five are all incredible games i mean three is getting a remaster uh next month uh reload so that'll be cool for people to check out um yeah i I think this is a really good pick. I mean, those three games all scored in the 90s. Uh, that mm. team just hits it out of the park. Like, I would be shocked if this game didn't get at least a 90. So this, this, that's a really good pick. And like you said, it's 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 a nice, refreshing change of pace, the whole fantasy setting. I was getting a little tired of Persona always being high schoolers, as much as I do love that franchise. It is, it's a well-worn territory, especially in the anime space. So it is nice to just have it be 
oh, you're retaining that sense of style that Persona has, that UI, that that those the same soundtrack or the same composer, uh, but it's a completely different setting. Like it looks more like Attack on Titan than a high schooler thing. So mm. cool. it does. And Brad, I didn't think I could respect you more, but Persona Four <laughs> is the best Persona factually. Mm-hmm. So this is good. This is good. <laughs> Bell, where do you fall on uh, Persona metaphor? Is this a game you're familiar with? So I'm really not familiar with Persona at all, but it has been on my radar because I feel like I've been moving in that direction recently. I recently got into Fire Emblem and been playing a backlog of those games so and really enjoying them. So I think that I'm moving in that direction. But yeah, I, all I can say is that the fans seem super eager and intense and uh, enthusiastic about it, so it's probably a good pick. Intense is a good way to put that. <laughs> intense is, yes. Dean, uh, you said you had this on your list. What what made you put it on your list over some of the other games? Uh, I just because I know that Persona games usually do really well, and I want to win this year. I <laughs> lost last year; I was in very last place, and this year I don't want that to happen again. So okay, that's respectable. It. And it looks it looks cool. I I mean I, I Persona just I tried Persona Five for a little bit. It was just way, it's way too long and feels mm-hmm. a little slow for me. But uh, uh, okay, hear looks, me out. It looks really cool. Hear me out, Dean. This this either will get you more into metaphor or not. The game is basically one giant tournament arc. <laughs> that's that's fun. <laughs> I don't know if that makes me more into it, but that sounds funny. It's like it's basically just an anime at this point. It's yeah. a straight up yeah. you gather people and then you go into a giant tournament, and that's that's the plot. So I'm excited about it. It's gonna be good. If completely I had predict- unrelated, yeah. Sorry, you'll you'll appreciate this, Chris. I didn't plan to have this, but I had this right beside me. <laughs> uh, for people, uh, audio listeners, uh, and uh, Dean and Bell, this is Koromaru, the mascot from Persona Three. This is a charm that my friend who went to Japan got me so uh, i had that right beside me this whole time actually uh but I think yeah the franchises um, like size dedicates to the fact that like i knew what that was even though i've never oh, played that's this awesome. game yeah. <laughs> if i had to predict the score for this one i'm i'm also going to land on like an 88 i think the new franchise angle won't have quite as much nostalgia factor i also think I, I can't remember if this is coming to Switch or not, but performance issues have been a thing in the past with this particular studio. I could see that dragging it down a little bit. We'll see. I, I don't know if it'll hit a 90, but fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, which brings us to Bell, your first pick of 2024's draft. What are you going to go with? So I am not as intense about winning. Uh, <laughs> probably because it's my first year. I'm sure if you guys invite me back next year, I will be really intense. But... I think I have to pick just for my my own soul, uh, Dragon Age Dreadwolf, um, oh. <laughs> which I'm sure Brad saw coming. Um, <laughs> I I just honestly I'm not sure about it. I'm not 100 percent sure. I think it could go really great, or it could go immediately in the trash. And it's really one of those two. And oh, playing Baldur's Gate has given me lots of thoughts about the new Dragon Age just because it is, you know, Bioware used to make the Baldur's Gate games and Dragon Age Origins was very similar. Um, Yeah, but Dragon Age Dreadwolf, we've been waiting for it and waiting for it and waiting for it and just hearing nothing but layoffs from Bioware, it's it's not exactly reassuring, but it's been like my favorite game series since childhood and I feel like if I don't vote for it, I'm not like giving my confidence, my mental confidence for it to do well, so... Now, Brad, we we had kind of talked about this a tiny bit beforehand because Dragon Age is a beloved franchise. On a scale of 1 to 10, how (laughs) likely is it that we're not seeing that this year? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, as soon as you said that, I'm like, I, I figured you would pick it. Yeah, that's honestly, <laughs> I think there's a good chance that game will be good. Uh, whether it's like amazing, I think it'll at least be good. There's, uh, but yeah, I think the bigger question mark is if it'll even come out this year. Yeah. Uh, that's the only thing. Because, you know, uh, for context for people, this would... This game started development around the time where EA was like, we can only do live service games. We don't believe in single player games at all. So they had to retool this from a live service to a single player game, which already from the start, you know, a Dragon Age game shouldn't have been a live service. So that was no. already a problem. I mean, the footage so that was... looks like Destiny, right? Like it looks yes. like a Destiny menu. Yeah. So that was, it didn't get off on the on the right foot initially. But uh, yeah, I, it'll be curious to me because they've obviously been working on it in a long time. I I hope it comes out this year. That would be a nice thing for the, you know, for a holiday sort of game. But yeah, that's that's a big question mark. <laughs> I I'm like split. Like I, I'm leaning towards it not coming out this year, but uh, mm. who knows? Now, Bell, I know nothing about Dreadwolf. What what makes this different? All I remember is some key art about maybe a thief, an assassin. I can't remember. <laughs> can 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 you enlighten me at all about what this one is about? Yeah, so uh, to condense a lot, basically this is the first time we're going into Tevinter, which is an area of the game that is uh, an area of Thetis, the world that is we've never seen before. Uh, we've you know we've been through Ferelden and Orlay, which is very French inspired, um, but Tevinter is a slavery is there slavery in Tevinter, and as such, it's like they've always really been hesitant to show us the internal workings. And also personally, I think that just comes from a lower perspective. Like they want to, you know, the people of Ferelden and Orlay and people outside Tevinter also don't know a ton about what's going on in Tevinter. There's a lot of like stereotypes and, and misunderstandings and these kind of things. Um, but yeah, so for the first time we're going into Tevinter and uh, Dragon Age Dreadwolf is following Inquisition, which was their first like properly open world game um, which obviously won a game of the year. It was really great. Uh, but in retrospect, like had a lot of fallbacks and failings. We were talking earlier about like side content. And I think that was a major failing in Dragon Age Inquisition. So yeah. And then they also tried to shoehorn in the multiplayer into Dragon Age Inquisition just a little bit with the multiplayer mode. And yeah, EA is just not inspiring confidence. So, but that's, that's the plot as you know, I could get into the whole soulless thing, but that's a whole other <laughs> That's a whole different beast. Yeah. Okay. So if you had to give us a prediction on this, what do you think it would score? What do I want it to score? Or what do I think it would score? What do you, if, you had to predict, if you had to predict, where do you think it'll land? Um, yeah. Like I said, I feel like it could go, it could really swing. Um, but maybe Brad's right. And it'll just be like, it'll be on the good, but not amazing end, which would be nice. So let's say like a seven out of 10. Okay. We're going with a 70. I think I'd beat that. I was going to go like low 80s. Uh, yeah, it's thinking, not like 85. So. I was thinking I'm 79. So nervous. I've been waiting for it, dude. Yeah. Dean, uh, do, you, do you think this game is going to be knocked down only by comparison because Baldur's Gate mm. 3 came out this year? No, I don't think so. To, to inspire a bit of confidence, last year Starfield came out and was very outdated and half-baked in many, many ways. And it still got like an 87 on Metacritic. Despite mm -hmm. the fact that it had it was constantly compared, fairly or other unfairly, I think a bit of both to Baldur's Gate three, but even just in comparison to other modern RPGs, Bethesda's kind of stuck to that same formula, which a lot of people I think, including myself, feel is very outdated. Yet that game still scored very well. I have a lot more faith in Bioware at this <laughs> point uh, than I do in a in a modern uh, Bethesda game studios title. So 
Uh, we'll see. But I think that is something to consider that, you know, even if it is being compared to other games, maybe it won't get in the 90s, but it could still be regarded as a, you know, a fairly good game. So I just feel like these games are so different, too. Hmm. Like Dragon Age hmm. versus Baldur Gates 3. Like, if you compare Inquisition to 3, they were quite different games. Definitely, um, yeah. Yeah, so it's not like... Like, it's comparable, sure. All RPG games are, in theory, comparable. But uh, you can do you do different things in Baldur's Gate 3. I'm sorry, in Dragon Age and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I played a lot of Inquisition. I, I didn't finish it because, in my own heart, I had finished it after I killed all the dragons. So after I, ki- yeah. I killed every single <laughs> dragon, I was like, well, this game is done for me. It's called um, the Dragon Age. The Dragon Age is over. I've killed them. I, I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I ended the Age of Dragons. I ended the Age of Dragons. I, uh, and I slept with Iron Bull. So I did those two things. Oh, and yeah. I was like, this there is you good go. enough. Mandatory. <laughs> That's one does. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Belle, you get your second pick of the draft. What are you going to go with for your second pick? Okay. The second pick I have, uh, I, there's a couple, but I think Star Wars Outlaws is going to be oh, my That's a good one. Pick. Nice. Um, that I have more confidence in doing well. Um it just looks incredible. I mean, I mean, people people are so excited. I'm so excited. I loved, you know, the um, Jedi Survivor game, and and oh my god, I'm just I can't wait. And as being a Star Wars nerd from childhood, like I've read the AU books and stuff like that. Like any piece of Star Wars lore, I'm just nibbling <laughs> up. You can tell I love the story of the games more than like the actual gameplay sometimes. But sorry, I was just gonna say this is the first true open world Star Wars game that we've gotten, which is really yeah. interesting because we've gotten ones that like Jedi Survivor had open hubs, but it wasn't necessarily purely open world. Uh, so this it'll be really interesting to see how that sort of lands. I mean, it is in, in a similar sort of vein to Grand Theft Auto. Like you're an outlaw in the world and there's sort of like a wanted system and, you know, you're, it's with the Empire. So that could be really cool how it's implemented. And I think for me personally, I think it's really exciting that it is um, not another Jedi game. Uh, you know, so many there, that was a problem with EA, like Amy Hennig, who created Uncharted, wanted to make a bounty hunter game. And EA is like, nobody will play a game if you don't have a lightsaber. And I feel that's <laughs> the same way in the movies. It's like, oh, we have to have Jedi. Like every movie, even if it doesn't star force users, has to have Vader show up in a cameo mm-hmm. just to activate a lightsaber. Even Solo, Darth Maul showed up. So I love that idea that it's me. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if there is a cameo from an Inquisitor or a Sith Lord or something. But just fundamentally it being focused on a bounty hunter. Uh, and the cool, th- or an outlaw, uh, and a scoundrel, and I think it's really cool that uh, the whole narrative of the game is being made in Toronto. Uh, the, the game is primarily made in Sweden by Ubisoft Massive, but all of the narrative team is in Toronto, and the star is uh, Umberly Gonzalez, who's Canadian as well. So that's super cool to see those Canadian connections. I, I wrote about that recently, and so many people were like, "I had no idea this big Star Wars game is being partially made in Canada." So I think that's super cool. Uh, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen Solo, by the way. Nobody saw Solo. It bombed at the box office. So I, I saw like Solo. I saw it in theaters too, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dedicated. Uh, yeah. I want to give a shout out to my friend. One of my one of my good friends is uh, writing uh, on the writing team for this game oh, and nice. sounds cool. awesome. Uh, so you're gonna tell us everything naturally. Mm. You must. Does that disqualify you from selecting it? Does yeah, that... <laughs> well, I feel like I should have selected it out of support. Now I feel kind of bad, actually. But no, the game is going to be awesome. I have full faith in that team to do something different. It's nice to see them. You know, they this is the same team that had the Avatar game come out recently uh, mm. over at Massive. But this feels like much more of a departure from the Far Cry kind of take mm-hmm. on it. This yes. feels like 
finally Ubisoft taking some risks uh, and mm-hmm. surprisingly with a pretty big franchise. So I think this could score really, really well. Bell, if you had to predict, what would the score be? Definitely, I have higher hopes for this one. I could think it could breach 9 out of 10. Yeah, I love that. Um, I, I'm totally with Brad. I think that having stories in Star Wars not about Jedi is really important. And, not well, I, you know, important is relative. But uh, underutilized, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. It's very, there are so many interesting stories. And I know this because I've read all the books. But mm-hmm. there are so many interesting stories there that have nothing to do with Jedi or only tangentially to do with Jedi. And I think that, yeah, and like you said, Ubisoft taking some risks is nice to see after the same Assassin's Creed game three times. Yeah, and like you look at um, like arguably the most popular thing out of Star Wars in the last several, the two most popular things out of Star Wars in the last several years were Andor and The Mandalorian, and both of yeah. them are, you know, are morally gray characters who have nothing to do with the Force. I mean, Baby Yoda tangentially with him, but I mean the you know Din Djarin and Andor himself are both just people trying to get by, right? Uh, and I think people resonate with that. I mean, they even announced a Mandalorian movie yesterday, so uh, at the time yeah. of recording. So it's like, there's clearly an appetite for those sorts of stories, and I think if Ubisoft sticks the landing, it could be really special. And the Mandalorian brings back characters that, like, aren't, were in, like, Jedi-focused series, like the Clone Wars. Yeah, and, yeah, it does. Bo-Katan. Who Jedis. Bo-Katan, yeah. exactly, that's what I'm thinking of, yeah. Or Cad. Yes, Bane, Cad, yeah. Cad Bane, yes. yeah. yeah. People who everybody loved, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing is we all agree this is a good pick and will not fail in any form ever. Oh, no. <laughs> which is why I'm going to take a more risky pick and Ooh. go with something that probably uh, I think will score really well just given their track record. Suicide Squad. Yeah, can you imagine? Oh, man. <laughs> Somebody, I, I beg you, Dean, please take that game. I am not. It's not even on my list, bro. I have like 10 games on this list in case you guys pick some of them, and it's not, it's not even out of the 10. I love that the headline that I saw this morning was from IGN, and it was I just, we too. played Suicide Squad. We played Squad. it didn't like it. I didn't <laughs> like it, and it's like, oh, oh boy. Yeah, I really want to read that. Oh, right? Uh, that's a good headline. That's just a yeah, good headline. it's a great headline. I could go on a whole rant just about that game, so I won't. <laughs> For <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> um, no, no, uh, I'm picking a game as my second pick from a studio that I personally love. Uh, their games resonate with me, and they're great. Brad, do you, have a, do you have a guess at what this is? about gee is it a game about japanese mobsters oh no surprisingly <gasps> not i, I wait, that no? is on my wait. list but it's not <laughs> is it a yakuza game no it's not it's not i thought it was <laughs> no yeah oh, really okay. okay no think think another japanese studio with a strong track record across a variety of different genres they you think of dragon produce... zama no another good guess another good guess but i'm going with unicorn overlord I don't even know oh, okay. So, so this is from the team at VanillaWare, who you may or may not know uh, for 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim, or you might know them for Dragon's Crown, or I'm going to blank on the name because I forget it every time. Uh, they made a game back on PS2 that was remastered on PS4 uh, that was a side-scrolling sort of RPG beat-em-up mashup. And this time, and this why it may be why you would be interested, Bell, is this is basically Fire Emblem made oh. by the Vanillaware team. And oh, so okay. it is kind of a mixture of Fire Emblem, uh, uh, strategy combat mixed with relationships, town building, all of this stuff. Yes, Dean is showing footage mm. on his phone right now, and it, it looks, looks really cool. 
really cool. The art style is out of this world. They, they create some of the best looking games in the world. And another key reason I picked it, their games score really well despite not many pe people playing them. Uh, narratively, their, their games are wild. Uh, you, you, you might think you know where the game is going when you started and you're three chapters in and by chapter 10, you have no idea where it will go anymore. Uh, 13 Sentinels is a, a really good example of their games where it's about high schoolers who accidentally uh, stumble upon some mechs and it turns out it's a whole time travel game and you play as all 13 different protagonists and you can jump between them at any time and narratively somehow it still works and makes sense. So I have full, full faith in this game that it will be very, very cool. I always wanted to play 13 Sentinels. Uh, I heard so many good things about it. So, um, And hearing that this new game is is more of a Fire Emblem sort of style game, that's exciting. It should have a good story too, right? Yeah, well, that's we it. I assume I, the new I, one. I think 13 Sentinels kind of hit a barrier with some people where it was half visual novel, which is just a lot of clicking through dialogue, and then mm -hmm. half kind of real-time strategy. Uh, and that mashup, for some people, they either really loved the story and didn't like the combat or they really just clicked through the story and only played the combat and but for people who connected with it i think the game has like a 90 on open critic and so uh there's definitely an audience there for it and this one i assume will be a little bit lighter on the clicking through dialogue but i think it's going to have more of a traditional jrpg story where you're going around you're building relationships you're bringing people into your kingdom and then you're going into those battles and uh yeah, I, I think it's it's going to be really, really cool. Um, but yeah, well, I would love to get the team's thoughts on it. I know that uh, maybe we're not all aware of the game, but now that you've seen a little bit of it, Dean, what stood out to you about it? It looks really pretty. I'm into like pretty things, and it, uh, you can like, you tell it will look really good. It won't, it's not for me. I can tell like I'm not going to play it at all, but it, it look, I, I'll probably watch reviews because it looks pretty and I, I'll want to know about it, but I know that I, I won't bother playing it. And Belle, have I convinced you to play it, potentially? I'm, I'm Googling it right now. It looks really gorgeous, and having loved Fire Emblem, I feel like I've, oh, I feel like I've missed out on so much, not, because I do think you're right, is that there's, uh, like usually people like just one of these two things it's the turn-based strategy or you like the story and i happen to like both which i think puts me in a unique mm -hmm. camp and i just need to eat, eat up as much as possible so i've been enjoying working through the fire emblem backlog and i'd love to try this in your defense nintendo has not done a good job of bringing a lot of those fire emblem games to the west so no, that that no. was one of my issues with engage <laughs> last year it's like oh there's so many crossovers from these characters whose games aren't even available in my country. It's like, I can't appreciate having these characters here. Most people only know Fire Emblem characters from Smash Bros. Yeah. Right? That's like, where was I, their introduction. I it, like, yeah. Blue like, Marth is, is like Bros. the. Yeah, it's like, oh, Marth, oh, he's just the Fire Emblem guy. He's the Smash Bros. guy. Uh, and then they added like 27 more characters from Fire Emblem to Smash. So. Uh, well, and yeah. I think this one is much more like three houses than it is engage mm -hmm. uh because three houses was much more focused on its narrative and the branching paths mm -hmm. and all the decisions and this feels more in line with that than the straightforward narrative engage but i won't stall any longer brad what is going to be your second pick uh my second pick would have been metaphor but i had a feeling you oh. would take it so i'm gonna go with earthblade uh, this is both a strategic pick uh, and one that I'm interested in. Uh, for context, this is from Vancouver-based Extremely OK Games, or Exoc. Uh, formerly Matt Makes Games, they made Celeste, uh, which is, you know, one of the most acclaimed mm -hmm. indie games of all time. 
that this the team rebranded, but it's the same core people, Maddie Torson and her team, uh, same composer, Lena Rain. So uh, you've got a lot of pedigree there. Uh, Earthblade is a, another platformer, uh, but it's focused more on sort of like exploration. They're calling it like an exploration platformer. So it's not necessarily a Metroidvania in the sense that there is a lot more seamless exploration. You're not necessarily locked off at certain points uh, in, the, in the, as you would be frequently in a Metroidvania, but it's sort of that idea. So just knowing the pedigree of that team, uh, I like the idea that the story is like you're in this child of fate who's returning at long last to Earth and kind of figuring out what happened to it. So that's kind of got some kind of like cool, like sci-fi alien sort of vibes to it there. Um, and yeah, it should be good. I mean, the first game was such a, a wonderful... Uh, made game and then also just such a powerful narrative about depression and identity and just seeing what that's what they did in the first game uh and then they made towerfall as well which was just a blast as a party game so uh Mm. they're just a really talented studio so just seeing what thinking of what they're going to do this time around in terms of story and and gameplay i'm super excited i didn't realize it was coming out this year that's very cool yeah Cool. They announced it at the Game Awards two years ago and said yeah. 2024 at the time. Uh, so hopefully that wasn't like a super early prediction and it gets delayed. I mean, obviously that's the risk I'm taking here, but yeah. uh, I'm I'm pretty confident that uh, it would come out this year, probably towards the latter half of the year. But uh, I'm excited. And again, it's a testament to the, the thriving indie scene that we have in Canada, that game uh, being made here. So. Don't worry, Brad. I've never heard of an indie game ever announcing that it'll come out and then not coming out. <laughs> not a, oh, no. yeah. Hollow Knight. Who would do that? Yeah, <laughs> never heard of this it. Uh, Bell, did you play Celeste or Towerfall or any of those games? I did play Celeste. Uh, like I love indie games, and that is just one of the best indie games I've ever played. Like it's pretty bananas, and I've been meaning to replay it actually. Um, I haven't looked into this one a lot, but I think that just knowing how good that game is, it's just it's hard not to have faith in them. And Honestly, I'm I'm much more interested in following indie games than AAA games a lot of the time this year. Uh, so in in recent years, it's become a trend that I've just been more happy with the indie games I purchased than with the than with the AAA ones. Oh, and that's the thing. Uh, we haven't actually seen much from this game at all. So to your <laughs> point, I am banking entirely on the pedigree of that team uh, because <laughs> really, like, there's not a lot something. to go on. <laughs> yeah, like I'm pretty sure that was like the only like trailer they showed at uh, the Game Awards, and maybe they've shown some screenshots here and there. But yeah, we haven't really seen anything. So I would imagine, yeah, there. I'd imagine in an upcoming Nintendo Direct or something, we'll get a better look at it. But uh, yeah, I've, uh, no reason to think that this game wouldn't be at least in the 80s, if not higher. So mm-hmm. it's another team like Super Giant where yes, they mm-hmm. just put out really really quality products with some pretty distinct trademarks across their games like when i think about super giant their whole thing is they don't want dying in a game to feel like the end point and they always find mm-hmm. really creative ways whether it's in transistor swapping out your abilities whether it's in pyre sending someone uh, across and you can no longer use them as a character but you gave them a happy ending and then in uh obviously hades they they turned that into a roguelike and they found really creative ways to use it narratively so for this studio, one of the things that I've always appreciated with them is turning the challenge into part of the narrative. And if they can do the same thing. So, for example, in Celeste, it's yeah, climbing course. up that mountain is, is kind of part of the mental health aspect of this character and that journey and overcoming it. And then for people who wanted more of a challenge, they gave you the strawberries. And those were completely optional. And all it changes is a single moment at the end. And it's mm. not a big feel bad thing if you didn't get enough strawberries but it's it's there for people who want it 
And if they can do that same sort of journey where the emotional connection to the characters is tied into the challenge, I'm so there. I, again, it, it, this, this studio, I just I have full faith in them. They've done such a remarkable job. Sorry, and to your point, on the flip side of, you know, if you wanted to up the challenge, that game had really cool options for making it more approachable for mm -hmm. players. Like, I've spoken mm -hmm. to people in the accessibility community who have who've praised that game for its features, even from an indie game in, in you know, 10 years ago. Uh, so it'd be really interesting to see what sort of ways they advance those sort of options for people who maybe aren't as familiar with Metroidvania-style games. Because that's one thing we even saw with the new Prince of Persia game. It has a lot of cool approachable options for players who haven't maybe played a Metroidvania before. And those are just options, of course. Uh, the game is still difficult if you want to up the difficulty and just not use any of those. So, uh, And same thing with Earthblade. I'm expecting that they're going to have a lot of cool options for people. So even if you hear Metroidvania and that sort of is daunting to you, uh, just know that this is a team that's always kind of thought about welcoming in more players who maybe aren't used to that genre. So I'm excited to see what they do with it. Wait, you can make Celeste easier? Maybe I'll give it a shot again. That game, like, messed me up, man. I After that game, I realized, I'm like, maybe I'm just not good at side-scrolling games. Maybe I'm just not good at these type of games. I, sh I just, I, I just, and I just never played one since. Oh, no. Because <laughs> it was so hard. I loved it. I loved, like, hearing the story of it and stuff like that. But, like, actual gameplay for me, I was, I was incapable of it. And I'm a Souls guy. <laughs> so I'm, like, used to tougher I... games quote-unquote tough games but dang yeah <laughs> i think that it would be hard to have such a like compelling and authentic narrative about mental health without being also simultaneously Very open true. to these concerns about accessibility and mm -hmm. yeah like i just feel like you couldn't have one without the other at least not one so authentic and that resonated with so many people really really strongly and yeah that brings us to dean you're Final one for the second round. What's it going to be? And after I pick this final one, we'll just move into the nostalgia second segment. That's and then perfect. Back into the third round. Uh, my final one for the second round. Uh, I mean, none of you guys picked it, so I'm going to just pick it. Is Dragon's Dogma 2. Uh, I, that was another my, one I predicted. You I would. know. <laughs> I know, Brad. I'm very predictable. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I was just watching more gameplay of it this morning because it's one of the IGN's first. Um, IGN, IGN first. Um, and it looks so cool. Uh, for those who don't know, Dragon's Dogma is a, an RPG game where it's like medieval style, like uh, any, there's magic, swords, air, archers, rogues. Uh, I didn't play the first Dragon's Dogma because it was too daunting at the time. And then I, now I just don't want to go back and play it uh, because it didn't have fast travel and I don't like walking too mm. long. <laughs> Dean, you sound like me in real life. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, it looked very cool. It has cool ideas. Uh, we your character is the arisen. Uh, I think that, I think that means like your your soul or your heart or something was eaten by a dragon. Uh, something like that. Um, I I don't remember. <laughs> but this one looks very very cool. Uh, Capcom seems to be working at or not Capcom. They seem to be them working in on it for a while now, um, and I am excited for it. You know, I, I, and I, we're I, in the 
and to your point, you know, we're in that kind of golden era for Capcom again. Like there was a period where they were in the kind of like the PS3 era where they were on like a downward slump. But, but lately, all the Resident Evil games, uh, the Monster Hunter games, uh, Devil May Cry Five, like they're they've just been killing it over the last several years. So there's a lot of faith that like this game is gonna is gonna be a banger. So. Yeah, I can't wait to jump on monsters and kill them. Like I mean, uh, <laughs> Shadows of the Colossus. But <laughs> well, and this feels like this might be redemption feels like the wrong word because a lot of people really loved the game. But I remember when it came out, it did receive a lot of criticism for, like you said, there, there's there's parts of it that just feel like a slog and mm-hmm. the narrative didn't really pay off. But the combat had really interesting ideas. I remember hearing a lot about the pawn system where you may control the main character, but then you've actually got a pawn that tells you about the world around you. They take part in combat. Like in in Dragon's Dogma 2, you can even have the option to play a character that sits back and just commands your forces. Like you just swing around this this weapon that kind of puts out buffs and that sort of stuff and and your characters will do a lot of the combat for you so it's it has trickster really cool ideas. devotion yeah they just put yeah. that that's what ign put out today and so some of the trickster devotion's powers is like illusion so you can like make if you're beside a cliff you can make it look like the cliff goes a little further so monsters will think that it's more land but really they're just going to fall to their deaths uh which is very Super fun cool. um and uh I, I if they do the same thing from last game i'm pretty sure you design one of your pawns and then that cool. pawn is be it can be used by other players as well um in the real life yeah so I, I, that's what they did with uh the first one so I, i'm hoping they do the same thing again i assume they're gonna do the same thing again um but yeah i'm, I'm quite excited to actually give this one a shot because they did confirm that fast travel is there um <laughs> So what I'm curious about is that is that isn't that the game? I feel like I haven't followed this game myself, but isn't that the game where they, like, kind of didn't get to finish it properly the first time around, and so now with the second game coming out, people are kind of like interested to see how like getting the full timeline will change it? Because I got the impression true? from somebody I talked to who they liked the jank that the jank was like part of the charm. Oh, cool! Interesting. Yeah, so they called it Dragon's Dogma Two, but it's actually Dragon's Dogma Second Chance Edition. <laughs> and basically, from what I've heard, I heard something similar. I don't, I don't want to toss out stats that aren't true, so, so take this with a grain of salt. But there was something that came out where it was like 70% of the game's content got cut just because of budget, time yeah. constraints, all of that stuff. And the narrative was on the chopping block for a lot of that. Even in terms of ideas, classes, all of that, they really, really had to pare down. And so this is kind of the original vision coming to life for that game. Even, even the narrative, from what I understand from people I've spoken to, it's very similar to the first game. It's just now what they had actually originally envisioned, and it's an alternate timeline kind of approach where yeah, I did hear it's that. it's a second world, but it's the same sort of story. And so mm-hmm. I think that's a really really cool way to look at it, even from a historical perspective for video games. Yeah, and they so even what you're have... saying is it's a remake, and Dean shouldn't be allowed to include it. <laughs> well, but it's a full remake, you know. It's it's, full, it's a even, rebirth. They even added okay. a new a new like kingdom of beasts people who. Which, from my mm-hmm. understanding, wasn't in the first game. So they've they've add, definitely have added stuff and changed things. To try, stop trying to take that's things good. away from me. I'm trying to win this year. <laughs> that's a, honestly, I think this is a really good pick. Uh, Dragon's Dogma probably, if it had come out today, up to modern standards, I think it would have scored a lot better. There are a lot more people who are into this style of game, not just dark fantasy, but 
it's a very challenging game. Uh, when I think about the way Demon Souls didn't blow up, but Dark Souls did, this feels very much in line with that. I think this is going to find a much larger audience, yeah, just like that. Monster Hunter Worlds. Like uh, up until then, Monster Hunter was kind of confined to Japan in terms of its audience. And sure, there were games on 3DS and that sort of stuff, but it didn't find an audience. Whereas now, Monster Hunter is one of the biggest games out there. And it feels like this is going to be Dragon's Dogma's moment. Mm. I, I'm guessing it will score, I don't know, an, an 89. An 89. I won't give it an 89, yeah. I could see that. And and Brad, quickly, uh, I forgot to ask you, what would you score? What do you think Earthblade is going to score? Oh, Earthblade. Um, I'm going to say 90. A 90, okay. I was thinking like a 92. Like I, I could see really good things from that game. That was a good pick, Brad. Well, there we go. Dean, I'm going to hand things back to you because that brings us to the end of the second round of our draft pick. So far, just to really quickly recap. So, Dean, you took Black Myth Wukong and Dragon's Dogma 2. Brad, you took Final Fantasy VII Rebirth and Earthblade. I took Metaphor Refantasio and Unicorn Overlord. And, Bell, you took Dragon Age Dreadwolf and Star Wars Outlaws. These are some good, like, good games, yeah. I mean, other than the Unicorn one, I've never heard of. But other than that... <laughs> I see how it is, I'm Dean. Kidding, I'm kidding. That game looks I mean, cool. people are calling... People are calling 2023 like the, the year of gaming, like it's just so good. But I think we've got some good stuff coming up for 2024 too. I agree, yeah, 100. percent I don't, I, I, and I don't think it will be as big. I don't as 2024, but it it should it shouldn't let people down. I'm hoping at least. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of being in 2024, let's jump back 10 years into January 2014. Uh, I was trying to look at different games they announced in January 2014, and they did not announce a lot of games back then. Uh, at least nothing like. No hit titles that people would know. There was like a Dragon Ball Z game, for instance. But uh, yeah, but they did announce PS Now, which was a standalone game subscription service. And when it launched, it offered cloud gaming versus being able to download your games like uh, Xbox Game Pass. Um, and then last year, they are no in 2022, they merged it to with PS Plus because PS Plus upgraded itself and started offering different tiers and. Uh, like Prius plus premium now is basically the same thing where it has some cloud-based elements to it like being able to play ps1 games um but yeah i just to look back at the fact that we've been people have had a subscribing for games and streaming stuff for a very long time now (laughs) (laughs) the world is so oversaturated with streaming services and it looks like this is one of an early one that we've had for 10 years and that was a that was an interesting thing because it came two years after sony bought gaikai which was a cloud-based company for like 400 million dollars and that was sort of them the first time them kind of leveraging that acquisition but yeah, they haven't really done much more with streaming since. Like, you know, obviously Xbox um, streams to mobile and s- smart TVs now. Uh, and that was Stadia's promise as well, uh, the few mm-hmm. years that it was around. And, and even Amazon <laughs> Luna uh, mm-hmm. to a, a latter degree. So it is kind of interesting that PlayStation so far hasn't tried to expand on that. And I'm sure they're looking at that and, you know, going forward as cloud gaming. Because it's obviously still in its infancy as it continues to build out. It'll be interesting to see what Sony does with that. But yeah, they haven't, other than to your point, like you said, just a few games that you can stream to your console. They've never really expanded those efforts. No. It's kind of this, we're kind of in the same place now as we were 10 years ago with PS <laughs> Now is just sort of lumped in with PlayStation Plus now, but it's ostensibly the same service, so it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it is. And, like, did you guys ever try it? 
Uh, I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I tried it too. I was not a big fan of it at all. It was like no, very, it didn't work very well. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it was very slow. Uh, I, I think I remember I was playing uh, Nino Kuni on it, and the, the game oh. just the game just crapped out at some point. Maybe and that's a turn based game. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I was so excited to play it because I, you know, Pokemon. But um, yeah, it, uh, it my game just crapped out like after eight hours and it didn't save and I was just like you know what I'm never trying PS Now again. I was really upset. <laughs> but I, I mean that could have been the fault of my own internet. But uh, I mean I, I don't like the I didn't like the idea of it. It's it's one of those things where for the types of games that people play the most, which you know tend to be your Fortnites and your Apex Legends and those sorts of things, and maybe those weren't as big of a factor, obviously in 2014. But a lot mm-hmm. of people do stick to Call of Duty and those sorts of experiences. You really, really need the latency to be very minor. Otherwise, you feel like you're at a disadvantage, or for some people, it can cause motion sickness because of the delay that happens. On top of the latency, then you're dealing with all of the artifacting that comes from streaming to your TV. If you've ever watched Netflix on a bad connection, you know that the quality drops pretty quickly. And even on a good connection, PS Now just felt like it wasn't ready to go into mass production, let's say. Uh, And things have gotten better. You know, I I play fairly regularly on xCloud now, which is Microsoft's. I I, I can't remember. They might have called it something else at this point. Xbox Cloud Gaming. Thank you. Xbox Cloud Mm -hmm. Gaming. Uh, I, I do use that fairly frequently because I, I play on my Steam Deck and it's the best way to access uh, my Game Pass games. So it's unfortunate. I, th- I think if they were to ramp up their efforts now and make it more accessible and didn't put it on the premium tier, a lot more people would use it because it, it there, there is definitely an audience for cloud gaming. The idea that you can boot up a game anywhere on the go is really appealing. And the latency is so, so much better than it used to be on a decent connection. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope they continue to build on this. There's there's definitely something there if they continue to build out the technology. And let's move back into our fantasy draft. Uh, and it's my turn, suckers. Uh... Yeah, that is correct. <laughs> Your third and final pick for the first half of the year. Okay, this is going to be hard. Uh, okay, so I will tell you the game I want to pick, but then I want to win. So I'm not going to pick this game. So I want I want to pick Tales of Kanzara, which is oh. that uh, it was announced at the Game Awards 2023, and it just looks so cool, and it has it's really inspired by like. African culture, and which I think is very cool, and it looks—I don't know—it looks like a like if I wanted to play like a black, not a Black Panther game, but like you know, like a like like a Afro oh that one, game. yeah, yeah. You said Tales of. I was thinking of the JRPG. Series. Oh no! no. <laughs> Dean with a left yeah. field pick. Can you imagine? Can you yeah. imagine? Yeah. Okay, this makes a lot more sense. Yeah. yeah, it looks really nice. I'm really, I'm really into it. It is a like a two D like a side scrolling game but i think i'd want to play it uh i mean i'm kind of i'm i'm kind of it has magic yeah i'm, I'm a sucker for magic mm. uh, but the game i will pick is a lot more boring to me uh microsoft flight simulator what oh. that is such a good pick. <laughs> that is what? such random that is so That's, good that was gonna be my pick damn it oh. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't think you even knew about it. Brad was like, "I swear to God." <laughs> I wanna, uh. I'm trying to win this year. And they microphones. They always do really well. 
Uh, I I played it at Bennett's house because Bennett had the whole like setup of like the the feet and the the, the thingies, um, and it was it was cool. Uh, it's not for me at all, but I it's always scores well from my understanding, and it is uh, I think Microsoft's like oldest game from my understanding. Like they've had that. I, I went into their offices one. Oh, with you, Brad, you were there. Um, yep. and then we saw that huge, this huge, like, there was, like, tons of different TV panels, and it was, they were all just showing flight similarities, so they really love this game, and I think they're gonna put a lot into it, um, and, yeah, I guess I'm picking it. I hate this because that is such a good pick, yeah. Yeah, it, it predates, uh, a lot of other Microsoft products, actually. Yeah. Uh, which is, a lot of people don't realize, but yeah, no, that's a good pick. I was gonna pick it, too, is, it's not as much my cup of tea, either, but it is a, it is a good pick, because it is really well-regarded, and they've really used that game as a, as, that's probably, other than Sea of Thieves, Microsoft's best, like, ongoing live service kind of game, because, mm. and it's not live service in the traditional sense, like, you're not, it's not like a multiplayer game in that, in that sort of sense, but the idea that they've added so many new planes uh they've they did a cool crossover with top gun maverick uh when that came out uh and just i've be, had the privilege of doing a few opportunities like interviews and i did a trip actually to the um portland uh museum uh, oregon museum uh, av- aviation because they have the spruce goose there which is like the old school like howard hughes plane uh and they and you just learning about all the work they take to like work with the the curators the museum people and sort of scan the plane and you know put it in the in the game and work with all these sorts of engineers to kind of figure out all the you know the physics behind it and everything it's it's super fascinating and the, the work that goes into those games are really cool and the, the head of microsoft flight simulator is one of the most passionate and friendly guys i've ever had the the chance to speak to so i just yeah that team's great um it's it's a sobo which is funny enough they also do um uh plague tale which is pretty cool. The same oh, developer. That's the same team. Uh, oh. Yes, I mean it's a big enough team that I'm sure it's different divisions within that same studio. Sure, but yeah, but it's same a, developer. A Sobo cool. works on both. Yeah, that's which insane. is cool. Yeah, huh. uh, they, um, they work with an internal team at Microsoft. So uh, yeah, it's that's a great pick. Uh, and knowing, it'll be curious to see what other kind of crossovers they do. I mean, even I think last year they brought some of the Halo vehicles as well to the game. So uh, yeah, that's a great pick. Dean, if Thank you had you to Brad. guess on the score, what do you think? 93. 93. It, it, usually I'd be like, that. no, that's crazy. That is probably about right. <laughs> yeah. It's probably like a 92 or a 93. I hate that so much. How dare you? Um, all right, which brings us to Brad, your third and final pick. Yeah, I was going to go flight sim. I'm really annoyed. <laughs> I thought for sure you would pick Avowed because that's more your kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, uh, more or even Hellblade. Yeah. Or Hellblade. I thought for sure it would be one of those two. If we're talking know. Xbox games. I don't know if Hellblade's mm-hmm. coming out this year. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to – and I don't know if I want to pick Avowed or Hellblade either. You know what? I'm going to do another Canadian indie game. I'm going to go 33 that? Immortals. Uh, oh, that was on my list cool. too. Okay. Very if cool. If you had beaten me, that so, would be the next one. Yeah. So this is another game that w- it was unveiled at Xbox's showcase last year. It was made by Quebec City-based Thunder Lotus, which has made a lot of cool indie games, including Spiritfarer. I think that was a game that resonated with a lot of people. It was one of my favorite games the year it came out. I think that was 2020. Uh, again, the years just blur together. That was a very poignant and touching sort of uh, exploration of, uh, you know, passing on. You know, you're helping these spirits, you know, move on to the afterlife. So it was a very heartfelt game, very wholesome uh, and this is a complete departure from that and that it's an action ro- roguelike multiplayer game. Uh, 
but knowing their the team's pedigree from narrative, I'm sure there'll be some sort of interesting narrative in there. But yeah, the idea that you're playing with 33 people in total in multiplayer is is pretty cool. Um, like I'm not someone who generally plays multiplayer games, but sort of recreating that sort of MMO raid style because that's what they said their mm-hmm. big inspiration was taking the sort of MMO raid. Uh, format but bring it to a game that isn't an mmo i think is a really cool idea you don't have to sort of get sucked into a you know 100 hour expansion uh just to play these raids you can just kind of pick up the game and play it with other people it was actually phil spencer's uh top game of the show last year which is cool he got to play with the developers and he actually gave it a special shout out and you know that guy's been playing every upcoming game so to get a special shout out from him especially i thought was pretty cool so uh, yeah, that's a, that's supposed to come later this year, so I'm uh, excited for that. Bell, would we be able to talk you into joining the Mobile Syrup team of 33 people? We have like eight, maybe, but <laughs> would that be possible? <laughs> uh oh. I, I can't think. <laughs> Do, are you not interested I I... in the game at all? <laughs> no, I am. I just don't play a ton of multiplayer games, and I'm kind of like gauging how good you guys are in my head. <laughs> Okay, D- Dean. Dean is good. Uh, I struggle to catch bugs in Animal Crossing, so there's like a, a varying level of skill on the team. That's so funny. Uh, so I actually, I I should have looked this up sooner. I think I actually have to re- uh, pull this pick because it's actually coming early access this year. I didn't realize. Oh that. no! Uh, unfortunately, uh, it's good that so you caught that. We'll though. just say. Yeah, I, I as soon as I said it, I'm because again I was not expecting Dean to take Flight Simulator. I mean, I did have some backups, but uh, I was dead set on Flight Simulator. But yeah, I think it is. So again, it could technically come this year, but I mean, just because it is early access only confirmed, I should probably pull that. But we'll just mm-hmm. give a special shout out to that game because it is Canadian, and uh, yeah. there's never I never have a problem giving a shout out to Canadian games. So all right then, sorry about that. I will just quickly I'll I'll say avowed. Uh, you know that is okay. a game that uh, that's a tr- that's a studio that's consistent. That's Obsidian Entertainment. You know we're talking Fallout New Vegas. Uh, uh, Pentiment was a was a really cool game that came from a small team within them, which is also the New Vegas creator Josh Sawyer. Uh, the Outer Worlds. These are all games that have scored in the '80s, if not higher. So I'm I'm pretty confident with this pick. It's kind of an interesting thing because it's set in the universe of Pillars of Eternity, which is probably Obsidian's like lesser known work uh obviously compared to the likes of fallout uh but it's not those that style of game it's it's like it's more skyrim-esque and Mm. they're they're hesitant to sort of that was how it was pitched initially but they're hesitant to make that direct comparison because it isn't a pure open world game like skyrim it's more from what they're describing kind of sounds like the jedi survivor thing where it's big open areas rather than necessarily like a full open world which to be honest, every game is an open world nowadays, so I'm actually fine with that if they stick the landing. I mean, I don't need every game to be 100 hours. So, But just taking that sort of uh, the whole magic approach to it, uh, the fantasy world, and then just kind of obsidian storytelling, I'm, I'm really excited for that. I think it, it could be really good. I mean, okay, let's, let's be honest, though. Did you really just pick this to spite Bethesda? It's okay. You can be honest. <laughs> I so I don't like yeah I mean I uh, to clarify yeah I'm not the biggest fan of Bethesda game studios but I think a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff they they've published outside of that uh, has been really great uh, and I've always really liked um, Obsidian so uh, even going back to Kotor two I think that's a criminally underrated game that they made in literally like a year that people don't give enough credit for that's still one of the best Star Wars stories to me and I'm someone who loves the first Kotor as well but the the second story the second game story is crazy but 
uh yeah i'm i'm super excited for this one i think uh and this will be this year interestingly will kind of be a good test for between this and hellblade and if anything else comes out from xbox are really finally a test for their exclusive games like that have been in development for a while because like starfield didn't really count because they just kind of bought that um but these are sort of uh the games that they've really gestated for most if not all of their development cycles so it'll be really interesting to see how they turn out and then they have mm. other games that are undated as well so um yeah I'm, I'm curious to see what what we get from xbox this year but uh, i think avowed is probably the most uh, i i'm in, am I interested in hellblade i'm a little tired of seeing it every year and not getting a release date so i think that kind of has burned me a little bit on it i have no doubt it'll be a good game but for that reason i'll go with Avowed. not, not picking fable <laughs> uh, I don't think that's coming out this year. I don't think it's coming out. I was thinking either. about it, but I don't think it's yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a that'll be an interesting gamble too because it's not. A, I mean, you're taking the the Forza developers to do that, so that'll uh, again that could be a really good thing, getting fresh blood in there. But it's also a bit of a gamble because it's not something they're traditionally mm-hmm. used to doing. So uh, we'll see. I'm interested in Fable. I, I don't know if I've never played any other ones actually. Oh really? Do, oh, they're fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. They are fun. I've played the third one is the only one I remember. I think I've played them all technically, but I was just too young. Brad, if you had to put a score on Avowed, a prediction, what would you say? I think this is a pretty comfortable, like, 85, 86 sort of game. Like, I think uh, it, it'll it, there'll be people who probably give it 9s and 9.5s, maybe even a few 10s, but it'll probably be comfortably in that mid to high 80s range, which I'm, I'm happy with. So. I like it. I like it. All right, on to my third and final pick. And there was a game that I really wanted to choose because there is no release date on it. And it could come out this year. The studio actually is surprisingly quick at turning around games when they're not changing engines and all of that. But the first game in this franchise was one of my favorites of all time and everybody else hates it. But Death Stranding 2 was going to be my pick until... I heard that most likely it's coming 2025. And the reason I believe it's not coming until 2025 is we haven't gotten six different confusing trailers for the game. We've only gotten one confusing trailer. So I don't... He is. He's also working on yeah. another game, too, with Jordan Peele oh, for dude. Xbox. The so dude is like... busy. Kojima, you're busy. So it's like, what are you... And he's watching, like, yeah. every movie under the sun. I don't sun, know how that guy's... Uh, he well, doesn't. So. I'm pretty sure he's a vampire. But it's, like, it's going to be fire when it comes in. I think it's going to be a totally different genre. I don't think we're looking at a walking sim at all this time. I think it's going to be something completely brand new, just continuing the story of that. He completely rewrote Well, it wasn't it. a walking sim. It was the strand genre. You're right. It was the, the first game in the strand genre. genre. <laughs> yes, that's right. And I believe in the strand genre. Uh, the best thing about Death Stranding was the asymmetrical multiplayer. It... Yes, that is that. what I consider to be the strand aspect of that. Yes. And as long as that sort of community-driven gameplay continues, where you feel a connection with other players in a moment of need, that's what I'm I'm looking for from the game. He can do narratively whatever he wants, and I will be on board most likely. But uh, anyways, that's not my pick, unfortunately. It I, I would love to say that it is, but I don't think it's coming out this year. And so I'm going to just go with my pick from last year, which didn't come out which is Replaced. So Replaced is an indie game, for those who may not be aware. Uh, It's coming from a studio who was based out of the Ukraine, and they had to relocate, and uh, kind of they've expanded the scope of the game. And everything we've seen looks really, really promising. And we've only received a few trailers over the years, 
but everything about it screams a Chris game. It's very, it's a, so to, to give a little bit more context, it's kind of a, a 2D narrative action game. And it mixes that 2D, 3D look of something like a triangle strategy or uh, an Octopath Traveler, but with really cinematic, gritty cyberpunk lighting. And then the combat looks really intense. And so everything about this just kind of clicks with me. And I have no idea if it'll hit this year. Uh, it, I'm, I'm really hoping. I took it last year. I think this is the year. No idea what the quality will be like, but I have faith. I'm just going with a game that I want to play. I'm taking Dean's approach from last year because it paid off for him so well. So mm. this is <laughs> this is the one. Replaced. Mark it down. Uh, it's going to get a 98. No, it's probably going to be somewhere in the 80s. I'll go with an 85. Yes. And I thought for sure you would pick Like a Dragon Infinite well. Why, why did you oh. attack me? <laughs> that was unnecessary. I mean, it, it's not for reader for listeners. Dean put his name in our podcast recording as fantasy draft winner this time, so he's coming in really cocky, and I don't know where that cockiness is coming from. Microsoft Flight Simulator—that's where he yeah. knows. Yeah, Flight yeah. Simulator. This guy knows. Um, yeah, no, uh, I think with Like a Dragon, I love Like a Dragon. It's one of my favorite series, and last year I did end up taking uh, Like a Dragon as one of my final picks. It will score decently, but actually looking historically, the games are very, very consistent. High 70s, low 80s. And I'm, I'm aiming a little higher. I want, I want a game that's going to mm-hmm. get me that 90. And with indie games, we just never know. And unless the studio has a really proven track record, and this studio does not, we just don't know. So I'm going purely on what we've seen. It could turn out that that was all vertical slice and there's nothing to the game. No, I have faith. I have faith that they have taken this amount of time because they truly believe they have something special. And that's what I'm going with. There were several other games that I have that potentially are still coming out this year that I'm holding for the second half of the year, but replaced. Mm -hmm. I had to take it, show faith, tell the developers, you've got this. All right, which, Bell, you have the last pick of the first half of the year for the draft. What are you going with? Ooh, a lot of pressure. I think I'm going to go with Princess Peach Showtime. Oh, wow. (laughs) <laughs> which is a which is a game close to my heart because as a child I absolutely adored uh Super Princess Peach which was on the DS and I played it to my heart's content and nobody talks about it anymore and I had to do lots of googling to like find like uh, proper screenshot like I've done I've done uh, uh nostalgia pieces on it before and I've had to like do so much googling and find you know playthroughs and oh but I just loved it and I think that a game like this with Nintendo's kind of real attention and get, like what we, we what we've seen so far looks really incredible it, and and I'm I think that games for young people especially young women in the gaming community can kind of go under the radar and I know Super Princess Peach I think on Metacritic got 76 or something I think this one could reach 80 so. Yeah, I think uh, mm. I love the whole like stage play setup to it. The idea that like yeah. the different levels are like, oh, Princess Peach is is playing a, a sword fighter this time, and that's mm. her gimmick for this area. Or she's playing, I forget the other ones, but there's a lot of like cool stuff with that. And yeah, to your which point, lot... you know, no, Sorry, which was, I was just gonna say, which was a lot better than in Super Princess Peach, which was kind of like 
she's bipolar she's she's emotional she's you know your emotions are tied to the abilities so i like the retooling of that interesting design idea but poor implementation you know yeah oh for sure yeah and just giving Princess Peach a starring role, it's it's nice, you know. Not every I've I found a lot of the Mario spinoffs tend to be really interesting because they they get to do give a, uh, you know a spotlight to different characters like Luigi or or Wario, and it's nice to get Princess Peach uh, a starring role. I mean, that was one of the only things I liked about the Mario movie: the <laughs> idea that she wasn't just the the damsel again. Uh, that was one of the only things I think that movie actually did well. Uh, so it, it's cool, and and it's also like probably the last, at least at the time of this recording that we know of it's like the last new switch game really because yeah. i mean they have their they have mario versus donkey kong and paper mario which are both remakes uh but this is like the first the last brand new i mean and there's rumors we're gonna get a direct next month the usual sort of february one which will probably reveal like the last the uh, switch games before the switch 2 comes out later this year which is the rumor but yeah as far as we know the princess peach is probably is one of the last switch games uh so that's that's cool that's a cool game to end on it's, it's different which is nice yeah, I think that I've seen Nintendo trying to come up with something, because Princess Peach is such the, the stereotypical damsel in distress character, right? And I've seen Nintendo, I've been watching them try to retool her without like uh, just totally abandoning who she is and what her involvement in the series has been. And I appreciate the effort. And so I think that this could really be the, the, a step in the right direction. I think this, the, absolutely, like, I think this is such a natural way to play off of her character and show different sides of her using that stage mechanic that's sort of Paper Mario-ish, uh, yeah. that, you know, there's, like, that audience there, and it's so, so clever in its mechanic of switching up the gameplay as well. One of the things that I think Luigi's Mansion 3 did so well was adding a lot of variety to the base game mechanics that were already proven and giving us really wild levels uh, that were just so out there. It wasn't just a hotel. And this feels like a more natural way to even do that. I feel like this, in terms of score, could even be higher than what you're thinking. I think this could be this year's pikmin 4 you know i was they're, just they're... gonna say that it could be higher for sure yeah yeah, yeah. i mean like yeah. dean i don't know how you feel but this this is one that has kind of been climbing my radar the more i see of it the more i want to check it out i've only actually just heard of it yesterday when i remember i was telling you guys that i watched the ign games for 2024 mm. uh, it was yeah. in that list and i was just like oh mm. this is now on my radar it's kind of cute i'm not, I might not play it but it's, it is it looks really cool i i've ne- to clarify i've never played a mario game really so that's uh, or any like, no mario game ever i mean i've like t- t- i've like dabbled in them i dabbled in sunshine and uh, I dabbled in like I don't know some of the 2D games, but I've never actually really attempted to play a Mario game. Uh, the closest are you allowed I... to be on this panel, Ben? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the closest I've gotten to it is Luigi's Mansion, the first one. I played that quite a bit, but other okay. than that, and then I a uh, remake is coming. Uh, there mm-hmm. is, yeah, and then I I've played, you know, I've beaten Mario and Smash Bros a few times, but you know. <laughs> don't know if that counts <laughs> no we don't we don't gatekeep it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. but there we go i mean that's that's it so princess peach showtime a really strong final pick to end on which again adds some some gameplay variety that's what i love about microsoft flight sim as well like uh we'll go through the list really quickly here and we can kind of see some patterns Black McWukon, Dean, your first pick. Dragon's Dogma 2 and Microsoft Flight Simulator, completely out of left field. Uh, a really strong list across the board there. Brad, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, Earthblade, and Avowed. Uh, for me, it was Metaphor Refantasio, Unicorn Overlord, and Replaced. 
And then Belle, you took Dragon Age, Dreadwolf, Star Wars Outlaws, and Princess Peach Showtime. I actually really like Belle's choices, I think. Mm, and, totally. I mean, I don't think... I think you suffered uh, for Dreadwolf, and you're going to get a zero with that mm. one. I don't think it's coming out this year. <laughs> but your other two choices are really strong. And, it, and if Dreadwolf does come out this year, I think you have a solid, like, choice. You have some solid picks. We d- also didn't pick Hellblade 2. No Hellblade mm. 2. Sorry, I was just going to say, and the fact that there's a, a new Nintendo system presumably coming this year that's a huge question mark there's so many games that they're probably saving for that i mean a lot of speculation that the next 3d mario will be a launch title in the same way that Mm. breath of the wild was you know super mario odyssey came in the same year you know there's even thoughts that oh we haven't seen metroid prime 4 in a while what if they've been saving that as a switch and switch 2 launch title sort of game right like there's so many things they could do with this system so that's such a huge exciting question mark you know there's going to be so many games that are revealed at that inevitable i wouldn't be shocked uh, for another direct style event new pokemon yeah pokemon for sure that's a so there's there's tons of things just from the nintendo side and then even playstation we don't know anything from playstation first party this year uh we only know some of the like third party exclusives like final fantasy 7 rebirth so playstation has a lot to kind of show us as well presumably uh it's really only xbox of the three major publishers that actually has a a, a sort of calendar year lined up so yeah there's a lot still to to figure out and then like like i said you know the dean mentioned with the indiana jones game xbox is doing a developer direct on the 18th which will reveal more from some upcoming games maybe we'll get some release dates probably get a state of play in nintendo direct in the next month or two so yeah there's there's a lot to be excited for and that's before and even this month and everything yeah. there's prince of persia which is really exciting i'm really excited for that game it looks so good i'm so jealous that you got to play some of it brad i'll talk about that later yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay it's gonna be a good year yeah, I'm excited. I mean, there's lots of indie games too, like uh, like the Gecko Gods and Tiny Glade. I heard about the other day, which is going to be great. Like lots of really small ones that I'm really excited to spend like five hours really loving. Yeah. And before we end this off, though, we got to talk about the toaster in the room, the Xbox mm-hmm. Series S toaster. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this, Bell. We've written about it on this little site called Mobile Syrup. I sent the link in the chat here to see if you see it. Mm-hmm. But uh, apparently uh, Microsoft is building an Xbox uh, Series S toaster. It looks like oh, a Series God. S, but, you know, you can toast. And <laughs> uh, this, it, it offers, like, like it comes in the shape of, a, the, like, you know, the Xbox logo, the Oh, it burns the logo on it. Yeah. When you first thought it said toaster, what I was thinking was the Kentucky Fried Chicken pl- game station. I thought they were like putting a toaster oh, in the Xbox. Like I, I was like, that can't possibly. No, yeah, no. It's just like they made the toaster. Like I, I don't know how to really explain that. I don't know. It looks. It just. It's weird. It's, it's weird. Uh, it's forty USD. Uh, it's coming in the US uh, apparently. Yeah. But uh, it's uh, so I don't know if you've been listening to the Syrup Arcade cast, but this part of the segment is called Game Treat or Game Trash. We discuss whether a product is a treat or a game is going to be a treat or a, tr- or a trash. Um, and uh, I think this will be a trash. <laughs> I don't see people really wanting an Xbox toaster. I don't see people really buying it. I don't see the purpose in it. I actually don't eat toast though either, so I'm probably the bad person, <laughs> a bad person for this. 
I think uh, for me, the only thing, I mean, it's just a silly gimmicky thing. So that's not necessarily a, a problem. It's there for the people who want it. My whole thing is, will it even work properly? Because Xbox yeah. did a similar gimmicky thing with the fridge, yeah. the Series X fridge. <laughs> and that was notorious for having super bad build quality issues. Like the, the, those crapped out so quickly and people were returning them and exchanging them. And it only had like an, a three month warranty on it or something like that. So it was like all around, just not a very well-made product. Uh, because it wasn't even that super expensive either. So, like, I was even considering picking one up because it's just such a funny, silly, stupid thing. But they couldn't <laughs> even get that right. So I'm like, I don't know. I mean, a toaster is a little less complicated, I guess. But just, you know, I would have to see what people are even saying. Like, does it even work properly? I mean, I still probably wouldn't pick one up. But, uh, I mean, <laughs> I feel if, uh, like first if of all, I'd have a toaster, to... you have one already. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, and if you need a new toaster, like, 55 CAD is like a lot like you could get a better toaster <laughs> even if it yep. was like even if it worked right like the novelty mm. is the logo but yeah i can see that i have to be the dissenter in the group yeah Ooh. i was just like chris looks like you're into it yeah i'm i'm <laughs> i'm into this because i'm the person who needs a toaster i well, it's been a while i i like if i have to toast something i have to go in my actual i don't have a toaster i have a small kitchen you don't no i don't have a toaster so I, I have an air you have a fryer. Steam Deck, but not a toaster. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I, okay. I'm priorities. I also don't make toast that often, but, toast you know, I like toast. well, that's that's the thing is like it's not a top pick for me, but sometimes you do want eggs and toast or something. Sometimes you just want to spread you Nutella do. on toast. Mm. It's so in that case, if I'm only using it every few months, I could get a beautiful Xbox series s toaster <laughs> to sit in my kitchen i i'm gonna give this a treat because it'll taste delicious for roughly 70 percent where the logo isn't <laughs> i feel like this will also be a thing of just like you know when partners like move in together and they have to combine all their things and it's like it's one thing to like have to you know put one partner's you know flowers with the other partner's like uh, little little uh i'm thinking of a particular statue my mother had when i was a kid of like the ranger from world of warcraft but anyway um like it's it's hard enough to combine these two things it's a it's another thing when you're putting a toaster <laughs> like it's white on the front I, like it's not that bad but it's like <laughs> okay i've got the fix for you every partner would love it if it had rgb oh can you adjust the rgb heck yeah you <laughs> i don't know no th this is a weird product one it's one of those they're, they're catching headlines i but weird product weird uh, product brad and bell trash or treat trick or treat i'll i'll say trash yeah yeah i would trash even if it had if it had rgb that'd be better but mm -hmm. yeah i feel like like i said one person would always have the colors on one thing and i would want to change them all the time <laughs> yeah i would say trash awesome so this goes in our trash pot uh, our trash pile <laughs> my disappointment is immeasurable i'm sorry mm -hmm. buddy i'm sorry but we've held everyone for a very long time now. So that is it. And thank you for listening to the Syrup Arcade Cast. You can find me on threads and Instagram at MyDailyDose. And of course, on MobileSyrup.com. And where can people find you, Brad? Uh, I'm on Twitter slash X at Brad Shankar, B-R-A-D-S-H-A-N-K-A-R. Uh, and of course, Mobile Syrup. And Bell, where can people find you? And are you working on anything you want to highlight while you're here? 
I got big things planned. Okay, um, okay, I love but that. But nothing, nothing to nothing to announce quite yet. Okay. Um, but if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at talk to Gabrielle. If you want me on Instagram, it's view to Gabrielle. Um, yeah, I'd love to talk to everybody. Awesome. And people cannot find Chris Brown anywhere. Except on our YouTube page. Go to Mobile Syrup on YouTube and check that out. Chris, you're like you're mostly behind the camera, I find though. Yes, exactly. But I see all the comments. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. In terms of mobile syrup gaming stuff, I, and you did mention it, I'll just plug. By the time this podcast is live, my review of Prince of Persia will be live as well. So mm. I guess I can mention, yeah, the game is a Awesome. I, I loved it. It's, yeah, it's awesome. probably Ubisoft's best, ga- best game in years. I mean, Chris already knew that. Uh, people, the OGs knew that this game was going to be good because it's the same <laughs> team, Ubisoft Montpellier, that did the Rayman games. So, like, this is a team they know. What oh, doing. Rayman so, games like, are so good. Because when everyone saw it uh, at Summer Game Fest, they're like, oh, this is this looks this such a downgrade from the, you know, the 3D Prince of Persia. So I'm like, no, no it's, it looks it's not. It looks uh, amazing. I'm both can excited. exist. I love that we yeah. can have both. And if you actually go back, Prince of Persia started as a 2D franchise, so it's actually kind of yeah. throwing back to the the series roots. So, but yeah, it's it's awesome. I, I love, I really uh, love the game. So. In hearing that it's from the Rayman guys is even more exciting. I never really, I never played Rayman, but my little brother was obsessed with Rayman, so I spent a lot of time mm. just watching him just go through that game. Uh, Rayman Legends, to be more specific. Um, Dean's brother has taste. <laughs> actually, I, I think you guys would like his game. It's very like anime inspired too. Like that's what the when I did the preview and I spoke to the like cinematics uh, director, he was even talking about how like a lot of the like cutscenes and the the moves, the super moves that the character can use are super flashy and over the top, like anime. Like even the sort of like high speed shuffle that he does towards the enemy before he attacks them in like cutscenes oh is like straight gosh. out of an anime. So it's really cool. I have nothing that weekend, and I'm just gonna play that game. But we can keep talking about this because I'm super excited, but we should end it. So as always, you can find all of our content uh, on mobilesyrup.com, as Bell is also on mobilesyrup.com quite often. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram and threads at mobilesyrup. Thank you for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.